having me. Why don't you grab your Bibles and get ready to open them to the book of Ecclesiastes. But while you're doing that, um, I can't help but mention CBI. We had our big announcement this weekend. The website has been launched. It is now official. We are talking about Compass Bible Institute here at Compass Bible Church, and it's super exciting, uh, the opportunities that we have as a church, and especially that you have as college students at the time of the launch of a Bible college by your home church. So talk about really cool timing. Here you are as college students during this time and season in the life of our church. Really unique opportunity. And tonight, you know, I guess I just want to challenge you to go onto the website and and look and check out CBI and consider how you might be involved in it, how you might be able to benefit from it as a college student at the time of the launch of Compass Bible Institute. Um, And so that's available to you. You can go and check that out. Tonight, I want to talk from the book of Ecclesiastes about time and change. And, you know, we talk about CBI. There's a real positive way about thinking about time and change. Unique time, major change in the life of our church, significant opportunities are in front of you. Really cool. I understand things are changing here in the bridge because we're calling it the bridge. We got a new name. We got a new vibe. We got a new age range. We got new stuff that's happening. You've got Pastor PJ who's in here preaching. I I think you guys are totally blessed and privileged to have Pastor PJ. I'm convinced he does an awesome job with you. So a lot of exciting things are happening in your ministry here and when it comes to time and change. There's also a negative way to think about time and change. Sometimes we enter into times being that things change for the worse. And, you know, you've got frustrations or challenges that enter into your life. Uh, it's like the seasons that come. I, used to, I lived in Indiana for a couple of years. A lot of you know that. And it's, it's kind of funny because everybody in Indiana hates the winter, or so it seems. People just hate the winter. And so it's like, as we get closer to the winter, winter's coming, people start like grumbling, like, oh man, you know, here it comes. And then sure enough, for, for, for a, a few months, it's just like frozen tundra outside, cold, miserable, snow, ice, all these things. I knew that winter was coming one time because I was mowing my lawn. This was in the fall. I think it was in October, and I was mowing my lawn, and I was working up a sweat, you know, it was like my exercise for the week, and so I get inside, and Bethany's like, what's attached to your forehead? I'm like, I don't, I don't have anything attached to my forehead, and I feel, and what little hair I have up here, there, had, there, there were little icicles, because the sweat that was coming out of my forehead had frozen to my hair. How about that? Does that ever happen to you here, mowing your lawn in the backyard in California? No, the winter was coming, and then sure enough, there would be days when it would just ice. So snow, you know, you, you can at least pick it up and throw it at someone, but when it ices, you're just, you just try not to die, you know? Yeah, like, I remember one Sunday morning, I get out, I go out to my car, and there was just a layer of ice on the ground everywhere, and I stood in my driveway, and there's not a steep slant, but a, a, a slant enough to where, like, I just kept my feet still, and I started sliding. And, you know, driving to church, um, things are all moving around, and it's slipping, and it's really weird. Um, anyway, people hate the winter, and, but nobody prevents the winter from, co- from coming. They can dread it all day long, 
They can talk about how terrible it is once it gets here. They can whine and complain, and, and I, I can too, all the way through winter. But that doesn't change the fact that it comes and it goes. The seasons come and go, and we can't stop them. And there's something for us to learn there that I think the author of Ecclesiastes wants us to see. And um, it's in chapter 3. You can't do anything to stop time and change. You can hate it all day long, or you can embrace the seasons as they come and make the most of them while they last. And that's really what I want to challenge you to do. I think there's wisdom for us in the book of Ecclesiastes, and I think that's one of the big things that you can take from this book, is to make the best of every season. Make the most of it. You might not love the winter. You might not love the summer. But it comes whether you like it or not, whether you're ready for it or not. So let's learn to make the best of every season of life. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, look at it with me. For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. Classic passage here, read it with me. A time to be born, and a time to die. A time to plant, and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill, and a time to heal. A time to break down, and a time to build up. A time to weep, and a time to laugh. A time to mourn, and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. So you have these different times, these different phases of life, seasons as I've referred to them. And there's a time for each throughout the course of your lifetime. And the point when we read these first eight verses, I'm convinced that the point of these eight verses is not you need to make sure you laugh at the right time and that you cry at the right time. You need to make sure that you live at the right time and that you die at the right time. I think the point, these are not imperative commands for us. I think what the author is doing is he's saying, look, Look around you. There are these changes that happen all around you, all the time. This is the nature of the world in which we live. It's ever-changing. Ready or not, you can't control it. Nothing lasts. Nothing's final. Change is a part of life as God created it. Point number one, write this down. I think there's something we need to learn here, and it's to accept changes as they come. Accept changes as they come. This is the world that we live in. It's ever-changing. Things start like the school year, like a sports season. Things end like the school year, praise the Lord, right? Like the end of the sports season. It's not always the same. God's design is not changelessness. It's not frozen sameness. It's dynamic. There's blossoming and ripening. Kaleidoscopic movement. Probably read that somewhere this week. You know, there, there is this 
change that's happening all around us. It's God's masterpiece. Um, I'm not big into gardening, but I think I understand the, the, uh, how it goes. You plant a seed in the ground and it changes from seed into little stub and then from stub into plant, from plant into bud, from bud into flower, from flower into withering flower, from withering flower into dead petals on the ground to dead flower. Like there's this process and you, you can speed it up. You can watch it in, you know, ultra fast motion and, and see it all happen in the blink of an eye. But all these things just, they, they happen over time. This, this is kind of a picture of the world that we live in. It's, it's always moving and changing. And it's hard for us, I think, because we want everything instant. We want everything now. We don't like waiting. If you're like me, you want to plant a flower in the ground and then for it to blossom and, you know, ripen right in front of your eyes and then you enjoy the finished product, and then it stays a perfect flower forever. That's not the world that God created. The world that God created ebbs and flows. It changes in front of our very eyes. And the challenge is that sometimes the season that you're in stinks, right? Sometimes things change for the better, and other times things change for the worse, This involves a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. There's the, the time to seek and the time to lose. There is all of these things that, that happen in us and, and to us throughout the course of our lives. Sometimes you are the windshield and sometimes you're the fly. Right? Think about that for a second. Sometimes things work out. It's awesome. Sometimes they don't work out, and it's not awesome. Sometimes life comes together, plans happen, and sometimes everything falls apart. Sometimes you cannot stop smiling, and sometimes you can't stop crying. Sometimes relationships begin, sometimes relationships end. Sometimes people that we're closest to are with us. Sometimes people that we're closest to are gone. Sometimes we feel optimistic and hopeful, and sometimes we feel crushed and down. That's the life, the world that we live in. And we should get used to the fact that change, as I'm describing it here, and as the author of Ecclesiastes described it, is inevitable. We can't stop it. We can't prevent it. And so we should learn to accept it. Learn to accept changes as they come. We're moving into a new season of life. I can be miserable. I can kick and scream and grate against it and complain my way through it all day long. Or I can learn to make the most of the new season that I'm in. And if you're going to do that, as I'm challenging you to do here in this first point, you're really going to have to trust the God who's over it all, the God who's in control of the seasons, right? That's point number two. Trust God's timing. Trust God's timing. Look at verse nine. What gain has the worker from his toil? I've seen the busyness that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. If we just stop right there, 
There's an acknowledgement that yes, things are changing. The world in which we live is not changeless. And the observation is that there is someone pulling the strings over all of it. Someone who's in control of it all. And it says, he, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. So my challenge to you is to learn to trust the God who makes everything beautiful in its time. He knows what he's doing. He brings winter when it's time for winter. He brings summer when it's time for summer. He's in control of these changes as, as they happen. We are not. So what we can and should do is just take a step back and say, God, I trust you. This isn't my favorite season. This is hard. I wish I could fast forward my way through this, but I can't. And so what I'm going to do is trust you. Day one of the new semester, and I see all the books that I'm supposed to read and all the homework I'm supposed to do. God, man, fast forward me through this, please. I just want to get to the end. I want to wake up and be done with my final exam four months from now. And you wake up and it's just the second day of the semester. You got to trust God's timing. Solutions not to try to repair or fix every season so that it's always perfect or always the same. The solution is to embrace the seasons as they come and to trust the God who's over it all. That makes sense? To adapt according to the season, not to try to change the season. We're the ones that need to change. I read someone who said this, listen, we dance to a tune of not our own making. You hear that? That's profound. We, we dance to a tune not of our own making. That's true. God picks the song. God sets the playlist. He sets, it's a happy song. Is it a sad song? We should dance appropriately. This is funny. I, do you know that, most of you know, that I hate dancing. So it's really funny that I, that phrase really stuck out to me. Like, ah, oh, it really gets me. I never dance to any tune. So... But the principle, I think, is, is good. We dance to a tune not of our own making. Respon responsible to, to respond appropriately. Um, and you just think about that. Just apply that to your current setting. You, you can't live like it's summer when you're in the middle of a school semester. Right now, you're in the middle of summer. And some of you are doing summer school, so the analogy breaks down. But you should live like it's summer when it's summer. And then you should live like it's a school year when it's a school year. And to try to like always live like it's perpetually summer, you're going to ruin your school year. Part of what makes summer so great is the fact that it's a change from the school year. If life was just always the school year, or uh, sorry, if life was just always the summer, you wouldn't rejoice when you get to the summer. It would just be the same. What makes summer so awesome is that it's different from a school year. Think about that. So trust God's timing in all of these things. I think we're wise to take a step back and maybe even just evaluate. What kind of season am I in right now? What's going on in my life? And how should I think about it? What can I do to really maximize the unique things that are going on in my life right now? And I think in doing so, we avoid missing the present. We avoid missing the opportunities that we have in the present. 
There's a temptation when you're a college student to wish that you were done with college. And then when you're done with college and you get a job and there's no summer, you kind of maybe wish you could be back in college again, <laughs> right? And, and I think you have this temptation to wish, man, can I just really fast forward through the, the things that are going on in my life right now and be done with it, be free, not have to write another paper again, not have to do any, you know, this stuff again. If you have that sort of mentality and just try to blaze your way through, you're going to miss some of the unique opportunities that are in front of you that you're not going to have again. It's just not going to be the same when you're done with college. So I want to challenge you to make the most of it. You never get these years back in the way that you have them right now. So pause and consider what unique and temporary blessings this season of life has for you and things that you might miss when they're gone. Constant change, as the passage describes it here, reminds us that we're not in a permanent earth. Look at verse 11, the second part of it. So he makes everything beautiful in its time. And also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from beginning to end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Verse 14, I perceive that whatever God does, it endures forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. And, and it goes on. But the point is that we're in a very temporary world, I think, to help us see that there is something to look forward to that is eternal, not temporary, everlasting is in front of us. So point number three is to care about eternity. Can I challenge you to care more about eternity? There's a lot of things you care about and rightfully so, but can you care more about eternity? We're trapped in time right now, but as people caught in time, God, it says, has put eternity into our hearts. So we long for something more. We look forward to when things stop changing, when winter doesn't come, when hard seasons are no longer on the horizon. We look forward to something that's lasting and steady and consistent and always awesome, not sometimes awesome. God's work is forever. So don't settle for the temporary. Don't settle for uh, just what you have here and now and it's all of its change that's happening. I think one of the things that we ought to take away from this text. We read this, we, there, there's a time for this, there's a time for that, but God has set eternity in our hearts. All of this change really ought to remind us on a constant basis. Every time something's different and jolts you, it's new and it's uncomfortable, you ought to remember these changes are here to help me not settle for anything in this world. To not set my hope on anything on the planet 
Because everything on the planet is here one day and then it's gone the next. It changes from one thing to another. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this just like a few minutes ago. Bethany, um, so we, like I've been married for uh, 12 years now. And when we got married, I looked different. Bethany looks the same. She like, she looks just like she did right when we got married. I win the most changed award. We have this picture, this engagement picture. And we're standing there on the beach. I look like a backstreet boy or something. Clean baby face, like hair spiked up, like more hair on my forehead. And, and we literally have had people come over and be like, who's that guy? Like dead serious. Who is that guy hanging on Bethany? And why do you have a picture of him framed in your dining room? It's like, uh, that's me. I just don't look the same. And um, <laughs> like, so if Bethany were to like fix her love and affection and all of her hope on the way I looked, when I was 21, she'd be severely disappointed with the, 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 uh, the grizzled, you know, the bearded face that's now in front of her. So uh, it's, it's just a, a change for her. And she should, would be wise to fix her hope on something that's more lasting and unchanging than my good looks. Don't settle for the temporary. Speaking of Bethany, I... I want to tell you about the first time I ever kissed her. We were at the beach, and it was nighttime. And I had taken her out on this date, and it was great. Everything was just really ideal in so many ways. And uh, the sun had gone down, and we walk out to this little peninsula on the beach in um, Ventura. And... The waves are crashing, our toes are just in the sand where the water touches the sand and, uh, you know, we kick the sandals off and we're standing there and we're looking over this way and there's like all the city lights and you can see them like glistening off the waves that are moving and changing. It's beautiful. And I had kept a toothpick in my mouth because, you know, my wife, Bethany, she's feisty and I thought, if I'm not careful, she'll just sneak a kiss if I'm not ready. I want to be in control of this first kiss. So I kept a toothpick in my mouth as protection to prevent her from just jumping up and sniping a, the first kiss. And so when I was ready, I took the toothpick out. And um, we have, you know, the waves crashing, the lights, everything's perfect. And I gave her the first kiss. And um, it was awesome. And then we go back to the car and I open the door for her. She climbs in, she sits down, shut the door. I walk around behind the car and I look in through the front, through like the, the back windshield into the front. And Bethany's in the passenger seat doing a happy dance because Bethany's just expressive that way. So I totally caught her like dancing. And um, I wish in so many ways that I could freeze that moment and just be in that moment forever. Like, that was so cool. That was so fun. I love that. But that was like a half hour of my life. <laughs> that was a long time ago. And that was, that was here, and now it's gone. As much as I wish I could go back and relive that moment, I can't. And I think we can fall into the trap of sitting here, wishing we could go back to some experience or some time in life prior to now and relive the glory days and relive the moment. And in doing so, we express a lack of contentment and a lack of trust for what's currently going on. Man, if I could just go back to then, oh, that'd be so great. That was so awesome when that happened. And we sit and we lament the present because we wish we could relive the past. And in doing so, we're missing what's in front of us. We can do the same thing with the future, can't we? 
We can sit here today and think, man, if I could just be done with college, or oh, if I could just be married, or if, oh, if I could just have my first job and have that sealed, oh, if I could just, whatever it is. You can fall into the trap of fast, trying to fast forward your way through life right now, and in doing so, you also miss the present. There's two sides to this slope, peak, ridge, ridge. Let's go with that. There's a ridge, and I just described both sides. You can fall down either one. Watch out. So this teaches us that we can't find lasting hope in anything in this world. So we need to let our finiteness and the ever-changing landscape of the world that we live in drive us to long for the next one. Push us to want to spend eternity with God in heaven. To care about eternity. Not get caught up loving anything in this world more than the God who created time and us and the world. Do you long for eternity? Do you care about eternity? Is this something that you look forward to? I think it can easily uh, just become something you, you don't think about because you're so fixated on here and now or, you know, the past or the future and just anything as... Um, Solomon says, under the sun. Anything on this planet that just gets the bulk of your attention and your focus. Care about eternity. Live for then. So how do you do that? I mean, I think coming here to the bridge, that's a good start. Taking a Sunday night to open up God's word and to think about these things, that's that's a great step in the right direction to care about eternity. There's other things you could do on a Sunday night. I think this is time well spent. I think getting into your small groups and talking about applying God's word is a huge step in the right direction. I think spending time, your free time, when you wake up in the morning and there's a hundred things you could do, opening up your Bible and reading it, I think that's a good step in the right direction. I think memorizing God's word, locking it into your mind, learning to love and appreciate the precious text that you have and on your lap is a step in the right direction to caring about eternity more than you do right now. That is time well spent. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter five, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust, rust, (laughs) throw a little lisp in there, where moth and rust do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. It's that song, uh, that hymn, that we sing sometimes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let that be true of you. The text ends here in um, chapter three, in verse 16, all the way to the end of the uh, chapter. Uh, The subtitle in my Bible says, from dust to dust. So you see where this is going, right? Moreover, I saw under the sun that in the place of justice, even there was wickedness, and in the place of righteousness, even there was wickedness. I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time for every matter and for every work. I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them, that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. For what happens to the children of man, what happens to the beasts is the same. Think about that. As one dies, so dies the other. 
They all have the same breath, and man has no advantage over the beasts, for all is vanity. Sounds like Ecclesiastes. Verse 20, all go to one place, all are from the dust, and to dust all return. So stop right there and receive Solomon's admonition to consider death. This chapter on the, the um, changing landscape of the world that we live in ends with a reminder that for every one of us, our life ends with death. You were formed from the dust and to dust you are gonna return. You, as you are right now, are not gonna be like this forever. Your body's gonna get older, it's gonna get more developed and then it's gonna get less developed and then it's gonna shrivel and then it's gonna die and then it's going to disintegrate. I don't know what's gonna happen. That's really morbid, but you think about it. You're gonna return to the dust. That's your end. So point number four is to anticipate that. Anticipate death. Think about it. Expect it. Plan for your death. Every season is sobered by the reality that we will return to dust. This life is not forever. I was at the angel game on Friday night, church angel game. Some of you were there. We had a bunch of seats up in left field and every player on the angels team was wearing number 45 because one of the angels players died suddenly and unexpectedly, number 45, Skaggs. And uh, this was the first home game after his sudden and unexpected death. And so it was a celebration of his life, a remembrance of his life. And um, it was a pretty significant, kind of a special game in that sense. But here you have a professional athlete, just physically speaking, fit in every way, healthy, strong, wasn't sick, didn't have any warning signs, and he just suddenly and unexpectedly died. His body just stopped working. I did a funeral, I was standing on this stage two weeks ago, three weeks ago, for someone, a 30-year-old, very fit person. His body stopped working. We don't think about it all the time. It's not fun, super fun to think about death. But the Bible reminds us about death all the time. It's because it really calibrates the way we think about life. It affects the way we think about our day and, and our week and how we spend our time and what really matters. So we should anticipate death because the wisdom of God's word tells us to do so. I would encourage you to keep coming to church. We talk about death here. It's not the most popular thing, but we do it because the Bible talks about it. When you come to, to church, we're talking about eternal things, life and death and things that really matter. So I wanna encourage you for being here, being a part of this ministry. It's gonna help you to think about things that really matter and for you to make 
necessary and appropriate changes in your life so that you live during this very temporary and moving lifetime for things that matter for eternity. My point in this sermon might carry more weight if I could say, winter is coming, ready or not. I mean, like we're in the middle of summer in California. Things are gonna like get hotter and then cool down to a, a, a balmy 60 degrees during the winter. You know, it's, it's, talk about the seasons, it doesn't really have the same effect maybe as other parts of the uh, country where there's a lot more dynamic change. But I think you understand the point. Winter is coming, metaphorically speaking. Things are going to change for the better, and things are going to change for the worse. Seasons of life are ahead of you, and they are just as much out of your control as the weather is. And so you should learn to adapt to the changes as they come, to trust the God who's over them all, to anticipate the end of your life and to care about eternity. Let's pray. God, we're thankful for your word. We're thankful for the wisdom that it makes available to us. God, I pray that we would not be like the foolish man who just hears your word and thinks that we know better or just disregards, let it, lets it go in one ear and out the other. But God, help us to be like wise people who hear your word and and respond to it. We're thankful for these warnings, for this text, for these truths that we have in in, in the Bible. God, help us to be ready to respond appropriately to whatever you throw our way, to trust you through it all, for you to be pleased and honored in us as we do that and for us to serve as lights in the world as we do that. God, we're thankful for the hope that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, that we can put our trust in him and have confidence of changeless eternity with you. God, help us to not settle for anything in this world, but to look forward to spending eternity with you through Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right.